You guys are beautiful, hey? And uh, it has been such an honor to meet some of you ladies and chat with you and just to get a, a small pick of what it's like for Red Road Church. You guys are wonderful together. Don't ever stop meeting and appreciating each other. It really is just wonderful to watch. So well done on that. And uh, <laughs> yes, for those who don't know me, my name is Ja Ndaba. I am a lover of Jesus. I love him very much because he first loved me. And um, so I do get very excited when I talk about Jesus. So I'm going to ask the sound team to just control things there because when I'm excited, things get a little bit louder. So um, <laughs> you got me, brother. Okay. <laughs> Yesterday, we were having a beautiful time with the ladies, spending time in Genesis 3. Today, we move just a little bit further down to Genesis 16, and we watch the family of Abraham do their thing. It's always good to watch other families, how they do life, and you watch TV, and you think, yes, I'm way better than that character that I'm seeing there. So, <laughs> we're going to have a look at Abraham's family, and hopefully, we will be able to see a little bit of God in there as much as we're going to see the people. But hopefully we will go out of this morning just knowing a little bit more of who God is. Amen. So try and track with me. I would like us to first start by going to Genesis 12, just so that we have a background of who is this Abraham that we are talking about this morning. Genesis 12 verses 1 to three reads, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Can we just pray before we get started? Father, this is your word. Your word is like nothing that we have ever seen or tasted. Your word does things that no man can do. And we pray that this morning we would have an encounter with your powerful, with your powerful word, and that we would be changed to look more and more like you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is Abraham. He's given the promise, right? The main thing that I want you to hold on to about this promise is that God says, I will make it happen, okay? I am the one who's going to bless you. All these things that I'm saying that you, you're going to be, I am the one that is going to make this happen. So fast forward now to Genesis 16 and see how children of God receive promises from God. Let's read from verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now we read this 
little portion of scripture and I'm pretty sure for most of us the first thing that we see is the sin of Eve right of sorry I'm still I'm in yesterday's preaching about Eve we see the sin of Sarai right we see that she's done something wrong we, we immediately see her behavior right I want us to be people who slow down when we hear people's stories and not just see the behavior and not just see the actions of the people and not just see the sin. I want us to be people who slow down. This is the counseling person talking now. Slow down and see the person. Want to know the person. Slow down enough to see that this woman, Sarai, was probably going through unimaginable pain. Can you imagine in a culture where you must have a son to carry out your, the, the family name, you must produce a son. Can you imagine the kind of pain she must have gone through seeing all the other women around her giving birth, six, ten sons. She's just not able to produce this son. And even worse, she's supposed to have this promise from God. And so, am I a failure? Did God promise, but he also wanted me to, be, to do something? So she's in a lot of pain. And I want us to be people who, who look at people and beyond seeing the actions, try and see the person. Because chances are, every single one of us are going through some kind of, of suffering at any given point. And so Sarai, in her distorted view of what is happening, she sees that God has failed her to give her a son. God has failed to give me a son, and therefore God has failed me. That's her reality at this moment, distorted as it is. That's her reality. And in her reality, she says, I'm going to need to come up with a solution. I, Sarai, need to now come up with a solution. And she says it's going to come through Haggai. And so we see Sarai trying to find a solution for a problem that was never hers to solve in the first place. She's now taking the responsibility of God and she's wanting to produce a son who makes children. So Sarah takes the responsibility of a God. She swaps the roles. She now becomes God. And it might be easy for us to stand here this morning and say, yeah, I can see that Sarah, I mean, duh, you, sh you can't swap these roles. But what about us? Do we sometimes find ourselves so frustrated when we've taken on the role of God, when we've prayed for something for years and it just doesn't happen? We've, maybe you've prayed for your husband to get saved because you want him to be part of this family. And he's just not getting saved. And you start getting anxiety and frustrations. Maybe my faith is not enough. Haibo, who, who brings people to salvation? Is it you that should be carrying on this pain? Is it you that should be wanting to find solutions? All you do is you take it to him. Because these two roles cannot change. Sarai assumes this role. Okay. But unfortunately, she assumes this role with a very limited worldly wisdom a, a sarai wisdom and god wisdom cannot even compare and so whatever she brings as a solution will never be the ultimate solution she ironically still wants what god can give she wants a son but how does she want it 
She wants it through her own means. In fact, she looks at the, the surrounding um, culture. I mean, in that culture, it was normal to have a slave and to have a son through that slave. I mean, that child wouldn't even belong to the slave girl. That child would belong to them because I own you as a slave. So this is a normal culture for her. And she's thinking, okay, I've been waiting long enough. God clearly has failed me. I think I'm going to just go to plan B. And I want to say this morning, children of God, we do not have plan Bs. Because when God has made a promise, He alone can fulfill that promise. Maybe you've been waiting, you've been asking for a job for so long from God. And then they tell you, listen, in this world, this is how things work. You, you apply for a job, but you also bring, you know, a little, bring a little something at the back. You know, give me a little something. This is how the world works. You have to say, well, I'm not of this world. This is how the world works, but I'm not of this world. I am the child of the promise. And so I'm going to hold on to what God has promised me and trust that he hasn't forgive, forgotten me. Now, some of you are saying, oh, well, I actually, I can feel sorry for Sarai for finding plan B because I can relate to the pain of waiting. And so you, as much as you can see that Sarah is doing something not quite right, you can actually relate to this pain of waiting because you too have been waiting for quite long. Sarah must have, must have battled and wrestled with the fact that God is sovereign. So if he wanted to give me this child, he would have given me, right? Because you're sovereign, you can do this. So she must have wrestled with that. Is it, is it good if he's not giving me this? What is it that, that, is, that God is seeing in me that, he wasn't, that he's not wanting to give me? This child, she's battling to see the character of God. She's questioning it. She has removed herself from the grace of God. She, has, she thinks that grace of God is far from reaching her. The hand is too crippled to reach her. And so she finds herself alone and suffering and wanting to find a solution from herself. I want to ask you this morning, if you were to encounter a Sarai, what would you say to her about God's character? What are some of the things about God that stand out to you as you hear Sarah's story? Because you will meet people who are going through what she's going through. What would you say to them? I saw your pastor this morning giving people mics and I said, you, this church, people are able to talk. I love it. So if, you, if you've got one thing about God's character that you would say to Sarah, please feel free to share it with us this morning. I'll give you the mic. What would you say to Sarah? She's done. She's alone. She feels that God has forgotten her. She feels that she needs to take matters into her own hands. What can you say to her about God's character? Yeah? There was a hand there? No? Oh, there's a hand there. We are awakening some counseling people in this place. Um, I would say, Sarai, God doesn't change. Amen. He stands by his word. Amen. His promises are yes and amen. 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So wait upon the Lord's promises. Amen. <laughs> we got preachers in this place. Because God's character doesn't change. Is there anyone else that feels that they could have a word for Sarai? I'll move along. You had your chance. Now, because we have had, we've got the Bible, so we know that God had not forgotten her. We know that God's watch, it was right o'clock. Yeah? Because God is ageless and he's timeless. He doesn't look at age and say, oh, she's missed her chance now to do what I've called her to do. Oh, oh, look at the time it has passed. So therefore she cannot fulfill the plans that I have for her. Our God is ageless. He's timeless. And his clock is always right o'clock. But Sarai, unfortunately, is in a vulnerable and a very desperate place right now. She is so desperate that she's willing to violate herself, violate her marriage. That's how desperate she is. And to give her husband to another woman. This is a very dangerous place to be when you are vulnerable and desperate. And I want to pray for someone this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I don't want us to just rush through this. I want to pray for someone who's in a very desperate place and you are saying, I'm willing to do anything. I want to say this morning, God is still in it. And I want to pray that you would experience God's love once again because one thing you know for sure, when suffering strikes, it blinds our eyes to the character of God. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray this morning. We pray that you would open our eyes to see you once again. Lord, you are God of compassion and love. You have never planned for us to suffer, but you always had good plans for us. We know that you are with us when our hearts are weary. Lord, we pray that in this time, if someone is going through a time where they are overwhelmed, Lord, we pray that you would rush in. Strengthen this person right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's carry on with Abraham and Sarai. Verse 2 continues. So Abraham agrees to what Sarah says. And verse 3 says, So Abraham, so after Abraham had lived in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to the husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. There's clear brokenness in this family, right? You can see it. You can see that the solution that Sarai thought was best the wisdom that she thought she would apply to the situation turns out to be no wisdom after all. Because human wisdom could never do the things that God has planned and purposed for. Only God in his sovereign wisdom knows how to bring forth the answers that you are looking for. 
end, like we do, finally, when things are all broken and messy, Sarai says, come Lord and judge between me and my husband, right? We, we invite God to the after party. Huh? After we've done all the, we've, we've tried this and this and this, and God says this morning, don't invite me to the after party. I want to be in it. While you are going through it, I want, call on me. Talk to me. When things don't make sense to you, talk, come talk to me. Don't go for alternatives. I'm your father. I want to hear what you are going, to, what, what you are going through. So don't invite me to the after party. Right? Now, some of you uh, might be confused as to why she's blaming Abraham. I mean, she's the one that gave the slave to her husband, right? So why is she saying, it is because of you that I'm suffering? I'm not going to be the judge here, but if you page through back to Genesis 12 where we were, you will see that in verse 10, from verse 10 it reads, okay, so this is where um, um, Abraham has just received this promise, right? So they're together and they, they seem like they are both understanding what God had said. I will do this. I'm, I'm in it. And then we are told in verse 10 that there was a famine in the land that they resided on. And, and so they left to go to Egypt for a while as the famine was severe. Then he says to Sarai, this is Abraham now saying to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. And, and Sarai is blushing. She's ready to say, thanks, babe. Hey, like Nadine says, thanks, babe, quite a lot. I love it. Don't invite me in your house if you don't want me to talk about your things. So, <laughs> so Nadine says, thanks, babe, you beautiful woman. But then Garrett says, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is my wife. Then they will kill me. Oh, is this where it's going? But we'll let you live. How? Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. And then it says, when Abraham came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was indeed a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abraham well for her sake and Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. I mean, obviously the story continues if you go and read, yes, God does rescue Sarai from uh, the king of Egypt eventually. But can you imagine the kind of trauma and pain and confusion that she must have felt at that time when you're, the person that is supposed to protect you is saying, yeah, go, 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 go protect me. I, I'm putting myself first. This is a broken woman. This is a woman who has gone through something that is unimaginable in our culture and in our time. And this is the same woman who now treats her husband the same way. Can you see how when we apply worldly wisdom, how we just treat each other as commodities? I can use you there and I can send you there. You, you, you stop being the image of God that I would adore and protect and honor. 
you become a commodity that I can just use when it suits me. They have stopped being a blessing to each other, what they were supposed to be. They cannot fulfill God's plan because they've now taken it upon themselves. They, they're not a blessing to, and they will not be a blessing to the world unless God comes in. They're not a blessing to Haggai because we hear that Haggai was treated so badly that she ran away. So we read in verse 7, The angel of the Lord found Haggai near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your mis misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beershah. Lahai Roy, it is still there between Kadesh and Beret. So Hagar bought Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. In this broken, chaotic, painful family, where people have forgotten who God is, where people have forgotten the promise maker guess who shows up? The promise keeper. Hey, he doesn't stay away when there is trouble. He moves towards issues that are very hard for you to even think about. How am I going to get out of this? He moves towards Hagar without her even asking for him to come in because that is the kind of God we serve. The God who moves towards pain and suffering. The God who sees the unforgotten, the unimportant, the rejected ones. He moved towards those people because he is sovereign God. He has sweet. He looks at her. He looks for her. He finds her. And he has sweet communications with her. Gives her a new promise. That is our God. That is the God I want you to hold on to. He comes after you. He searches for you, and he wants to have a chat with you this morning. And when he speaks, he restores your strength because he is the giver of life. I want to say take time to listen to this God because when he has come into your situation, your situation is never the same. Your situation bows down when it hears the name of God. Unfortunately, like Haggai, God doesn't just come in and he says, oh, Haggai, I can see that you've been mistreated. It is a good thing that you ran away. No, God says, you know what? Running away is not how we solve problems here. Go back. And you're like, oh, but you said you see me. And he says, yeah, 
I see you. And now I'm actually, I'm going to empower you to go back and deal with the sticky situation that you have left at home. And I want to say to you this morning, wake up, child of God. I know there's sticky situations that you've been avoiding. I know there's those awkward communications that you need to have with people in your life. Be empowered by the God who sees you and go back to those situations and face them. Knowing that the God who met Hagar in the desert when she was alone, confused, will meet you. And he never lets people down. When you are empowered by the God who sees people, you can go and have conversations that are difficult and yet leave the place smelling like the aroma of Christ. The God who appeared to Abraham now appears to Hagar. And he gives her a beautiful promise. I want to say he is a God who is committed to meeting his children. He made himself known to Abraham. He made himself known to Hagar. He doesn't stop there. He wants to make himself known to you in a new way. There is nowhere you can run and hide from His grace. You can run, but you can hide. He will find you. He's got His eye on you. Even when you are not looking for Him, He has His eye on you. He leaves the 99 and He comes just for you because you are so precious to Him. He leaves no man behind. I love that about my father. Signif even if you are insignificant to other people, he says, I will not leave her behind. That's the kind of father I serve. And that is why I'm so excited about him. Because with him, I know that I can never be alone. He's always there looking out for me when he sees me doing the, the backsliding. He's always there looking for me. And he always finds me because he's a God who sees. Now, Abraham's household, as chaotic and as broken as it sounds, unfortunately, even in our lives, we see a little bit of this, hey? Where people hurt each other, where people misuse each other, where people put their, 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 themselves first. Even if it means it, it breaks the other person. We see that in our lives, in our families. And as much as we'll be tempted to say, oh, you know, maybe they need, they, they just need to learn how to change and modify their behaviors. You know, they need to learn to change their behavior and do things better. I want to say we need more than that. We need more than changing our behavior. We need to see God again. Because when we see God, we are able to see human beings a lot clearer. We don't need to be taught how to treat each other better. We need to hold on to the promise maker, knowing that whatever he has promised, he will fulfill because otherwise I'm going to look to the people around me to fulfill what he has promised. And when they fail me, I will be left broken. And they will be broken because they have to play God and they cannot. It's not their place. What we need more than anything is to see God again. He is the promise maker and he is the promise keeper. 
the best news about God is even our disobedience does not turn his face away from us. That's where I want to end it today. Even your best disobedience, you can run away from him. You can forget that he has promised you, but it does not change the plans and the purposes that he has for you. Come back to him because you know that you can't run away from him. Might as well come back home. Might as well start trusting him again. Because wherever you go, you're still going to find yourself back in his loving arms. And so let's just, let's fast track this wandering. Yeah? And let's come back to the one who created us, who has great plans for us, who has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us because he is God Almighty. Amen. Now we're going to break bread, as I've heard, is the, is the habit of this beautiful home. What a beautiful thing to be able to break bread together every Sunday. I wish all churches would do that, where you get a, a fresh reminder of what happened in Gethsemane, when he was broken for you and me, so that I don't have to be broken ever again, where he took upon the sin that was mine. And he said, she shall be clothed with righteousness. What a beautiful reminder that it is all done. It is finished. And so I can walk knowing that there's nothing that God expects from me that he hasn't already provided in the cross. Amen.